welcome to the Everesting Podcast built by Quarry. I'm honored to be welcoming back Jack Thompson to the podcast. Jack is very well known now, it's certainly in Everesting circles, for having completed 1 million meters of elevation gain in 2022, which he did to raise uh, awareness for mental health charities. Within that challenge, Jack rode a complete Everesting every single Friday for 52 straight weeks on 52 different hills. That is a completely mind-numbing statistic, which is exactly what we're going to talk about a little bit today. So I had the honor of hosting Jack a few times on this podcast. I've gotten to know him a little bit. Uh, We haven't met in person or ever ridden bikes together, but Jack, if you're listening, Honored to be able to have you part of this community uh, and to call you a friend. Thank you for everything that you're doing for everybody. You're inspiring people all over the place. Uh, and I hope you're receiving all of the uh, love and attention that you deserve for everything that you've done uh, for this community and for the mental health community. It means a lot to everybody. So uh, very pleased to have Jack back on. We talk about a million meters. We talk about 52 Everestings and we talk about the uh, monster job of recovering from this both from a physical and mental standpoint and uh, just a great and inspiring conversation as always with jack thompson jack ultra cyclist this episode of the podcast is brought to you by the state bicycle company you can visit state at statebicycle.com as always and the best way to stay up to speed on what state is doing is to just give them a follow on whatever social media platforms are your favorite they're on all of them so Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, etc. Give State a follow and you can be up to speed with all the really cool things that they have going on. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. If you can give us a positive rating or review wherever you find the podcast that helps us grow, on to Jack Thompson. And last week we were like, all right, May 29. And then you messaged and I was like, ah, oh, this is like perfect like timing. Per- perfect timing, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and no kidding, I've had like a probably probably close to a dozen people reach out and say, like, why hasn't Jack come back on since he did it? I'm yeah, like, well, right. that's a yeah, fair question, right? Because we had you like we had you on, I think, I think in October, Andy and yeah. I hosted you together. And I think you were at like 844,000 meters or some insane number. So it like it almost felt like a bit of a victory lap at that point, but it was probably a bit premature, but it just it felt like you had it kind of in the bag unless something catastrophic happened. But you still had like 150,000 meters to go, which is an enormous number uh, on yeah. its own. So you did it, but you really did two really, really incredible things last year. So for the uninitiated, you climbed a, a million meters last year, which is... Th- 3,330,000 feet or something like that. Um, and you did you did an Everesting every Friday for the entire year, which is also mind-bending. But furthermore, you did it on a different hill every single time, right? And every single one was outdoors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. so you don't live in a... You you'd still live in a place with four seasons. So you, <laughs> you have to deal with yeah. that, like... Just an immense, immense year. So I want people to know what happened there. And then also, yeah, you I have had the privilege of having a sneak preview of a really, really cool film called Rising Up, uh, which is about 30 minutes long, right? Yeah. Um, and it's, it is really, really moving and it's coming out on May 29th. Where can people find that before we talk about anything else? So it'll be on my YouTube. So Jack Ultra okay. Cyclist on YouTube. Uh, and yeah, it's like, 
we put out a video a couple of weeks ago and it wasn't, it was, you know, it was relatively short and there were people asking like, we want something longer. And so it's nice to actually have something that is longer. And yeah, I think like I, I actually went and watched it back this week before I sort of put it up there and I'm preparing it all. And I haven't watched it for a few, few months now, to be honest, it was ready like January 7th, right on the, like right really? as we finished. And like watching it back was, it was pretty moving for me as well, to be honest, because it's essentially like a 12 month period of my life, like a very intense 12 month period, many highs, many lows condensed into 30 minutes. And watching it back, it was like, yeah, I remember that. Like, I remember those feelings. That was really good. That was really difficult. I reckon, well, I hope it inspires people to set a crazy goal, be that an Everest, be that, you know, something else, and just go about doing it. That's really what I hope the, the film achieves. It really has an arc that I think accurately showed the year because I was able to speak with you earlier in the year and then as you closed in on it and the year I mean really the film sort of starts out you're already kind of into it and you're sort of explaining what you're doing so you kind of gave yourself a little bit of a I'll call it a head start you were accumulating all of this mile all of this elevation but before you had sort of made the real like attempt sort of public right and then you sort of did that I guess maybe in the spring so that it really starts with all of this like positive energy, like I'm doing this thing and it's going to be awesome. And then you can just feel the the middle of the year just was clearly yeah. a massive grind, right? So it's like, I was just thinking about it then, like a good analogy is like you put a fresh set of tires on your bike and at the beginning, you know, they feel real good. Everything's real smooth. And then you start getting a couple of punches as the, as the tires wear a bit thin and you get to the end of the tires life and there's holes and, you know, the tire's not very good anymore. That's basically what 2022 looked like for me. Like I've started fresh, felt real good. Then I started hitting a few little punches and a few little hiccups along the way. And come the end of it, you know, like I was, I was like a well-used tire. There was holes, there was, you know, there was wear, there was, yeah, you know, I was a broken man. Um, and I look back and I sort of don't know how I did it, to be honest. I don't think anybody really knows how you did it. I mean, it's it's a lot up here, obviously, to be able to continue to do that week after week after week and to just weather be damned. I've got to get my 20,000 meters this week. Uh, you never really augmented anything. Like you never, oh, I can't Everest this week because of weather or I don't feel like it. So I'm going to break it up differently. Like you set out to do it with a certain structure and you really kept to that for basically the entire year, which is, I think, in my opinion, is really the most remarkable thing to kind of keep that pace up. And you, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil too much of the film or get too ahead of it, but you did mention in it that you were averaging a total stress score per week that was really similar to riding one week of the Tour de France. Yeah. Like that's what you were averaging. Stress was just, monstrous and like if i look on training peaks now at my fitness scores now like they're just nowhere near where they were last year i think like just the volume of riding i was doing and you know although you're not riding really hard up the hills the inherent nature of going up a hill is hard and so you're accumulating that sort of stress day after day after day and you're not giving yourself any time to rest and like 
so yeah, like the fitness scores are almost double what they are now. And I would say I'm pretty fit now, but it's just last year was just a crazy, crazy cumulative. Well, I'm surprised they don't have an injury that's still niggling me or an illness that's still niggling me. Like I, I didn't really get sick or injured. Like I won't give away what happens in the film because there were a few things that happened along the way that perhaps I didn't let on on social media, but there were a few hiccups along the way. And like mentally that was very difficult because I could feel it slipping away from me. There's nothing I could do. Right. Yeah. And you, it's like the idea of getting close is almost worse than if you had, yeah. if you got a knee injury in June and had to abort, that's a different feeling, hard feeling, but way yeah. different than getting to 900,000 meters and having something happen. And then oh, wow. just, it feel like the, the 11 months had slipped away from you, right? Like, yeah. that would just be... I can't imagine the mental heartache that would, you know, if I had to pull out with, 20,000 meters to go because my knee blew up or I just can't imagine it. I know. It's just, anyways, I, I did, did you feel the pressure building? Like, did you start to get more and more nervous about something going wrong? Like just a little, you know, it's you, if you blink at the wrong time, you can go down. I mean, at any time we all, everybody listening to this podcast has had an accident that they'd like to have back on the bike that took them out for a couple of weeks, even not, not even a broken bone, but it's very yeah. easy to to just deal with those things and then you obviously also you must have dealt with a bunch of small little nagging things that you just rode through right I mean you must have had yeah. tendonitis in every imaginable place yeah like uh, it's exactly right it's like the, the last the last bend is that the most difficult part to get to the finish and it was definitely the case with this I think it was because like I felt like I was pushing my luck like I'd spend a whole year not getting sick, not getting injured, not having a really bad crash. Like I didn't crash throughout the year, but I luckily didn't sustain any substantial injuries. And I really felt like I was pushing my luck and I almost got superstitious with things. So I was like, yeah, no, I've got to do it that way because that's worked all year and I'm, I'm not going to tempt fate, you know, almost like wrapped myself in cotton wool a little bit the last couple of weeks because the idea of not being able to achieve it, having gotten so close, was just like unbearable. Like, like I said before, I don't know. If, I don't know how I would have dealt with it mentally, getting so close and then not quite making it. Yeah, that was my greatest fear for you as I watched along throughout the years. Like, just don't let something bad happen in the last like two months. Like, yeah, that's, that wouldn't be fair. <laughs> so. Did you, at any point, did you, I also, there's a bunch of stuff that I wondered, did you have anybody close to you or your doctor who you visit very, right, much more regularly than the average person, which is wise, but did you have anybody pull you aside at any point and say like, look, you got to consider cutting this out? Yeah, there was a, there was a midway, like, so I'd been in the US around this time last year, actually, and I got back. And I'm just thinking the cumulative fatigue, of all the riding, but also the traveling, the different time zones. These are just little things that add up when you're already on the edge. And I got back and it was warming up here in Spain. And I said to my coach, I was like, I'm, I'm completely fucked. And I've still got to do like, I've got to do this again, what I've just done. And at that point in the year, I was, I was actually a week ahead of schedule. And so he said, look, I think you need to take a week off. 
and freshen up. And that was really hard because I thought I've worked so hard to build up that buffer that I'm going to take a week of holiday. Well, I say holiday, a, a week of, you know, laying Use the, the term loosely. Yeah. 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 And either two things are going to happen. I'm going to come back and I'm going to feel really good or I'm going to get sick because my body's been basically in an overcompensation phase in that it's, you know, protecting itself because it knows the load that it has to replicate week after week. And I'm going to get really sick as soon as I let my foot off the pedal. And I was very lucky I didn't get sick. And I spent that week literally sideways doing absolutely nothing. So there was one period in time where it became very difficult. My coach said, look, you need to take a week off. This is not sustainable the way it is. And then I had another period and I forget exactly when it was, but it was, well, it must've been around the middle of the year. It was summer, it was really warm. And I was struggling with the donation side of things. And I remember I was just very down myself. Like it was having a real impact on my own mental health. And I went for a ride with a mate and he said, you know, there's nothing wrong with just stopping. And I was like, that's really easy for you to say. And in theory, it's true. Like I could just stop at any point in time, but I've made a commitment to do this. And, you know, I'm going to give it everything I have. You know, I'd have to be on the sidewalk, unable to move for me to really say, no, I'm not going to continue. And at the moment, I'm still able to ride my bike every single day and I'm still getting through the elevation. So although this is really difficult and I would love to just take another week off and, you know, forget about this whole stupid challenge, I'm in this for the long haul and I'm in, I'm, you know, I'm midway through a year long challenge and I'm going to get it done. And I think it almost acted like a bit of motivation. Like, you know, the, if, he, if he thinks I should give up, I'm going to show him that I'm not going to give up. And that was almost a good thing. I think, you know, him sort of playing with the idea of me giving it up, I thought, you know what, no, I'm not, I'm not giving this away. I think it's very funny how we'll reach for any type of psychological advantage or tactic, even if we know what we're doing, right? So use yeah. that as a little bit of fuel, like a little bit of defiance. And uh, it's, you know, like whatever works, whatever keeps it turning. Right. But I think of a very, like a, sort of a famous, like Lance Armstrong adage that the pain is temporary, but the glory is forever. Right. Yeah. So you just, it, but, but I think of those terms of in like, in the context of a ride, like yeah. it's blowing wind and it's, I'm getting rained on sideways and hailed on. And I'm like, this will end. And I can get to the end of yeah. this, but you had to implore that line of thinking to an entire calendar year, which is a completely different thing. Yeah. But you had to know, like you knew, if I do this million, I never need to do this again. I never need, I, you said yeah. a few times publicly, I don't ever want to do another Everest thing. Nah. But to do it again and again and again, is just so, like, yeah. it's, it must have not felt temporary at times. It must have felt like- Nah, I felt like I was on a rat wheel and you guys probably- saw you know towards the end of the year when we spoke you probably saw that I wasn't you know I was in good spirits but I was pretty over the whole thing like it was it took a lot of, like it took a real toll on not just my body physically not just my mind mentally but like my relationships with my like you know with my partner my my family like talking with my family on the phone like I didn't talk to them about anything but what I was doing because like I was so in it and, you know, there were other aspects of life that really, you know, suffered as a result of it. And I think for that reason, like I wouldn't take on a year long 
challenge again because it's it's pretty onerous. Not on me, not just me, but you know everyone around me. Um, and I think you know, like I think if there's one thing I learned last year, it's well, I, I couldn't pinpoint one thing. There was a lot that I learned last year, and I think I've sort of taken that and I've ran with it this year. And this year is more about sort of balance for me. I'm still obviously doing a lot of riding, but you know. I'm also trying to surf and I'm also trying to do things that take my mind away from the riding because I think the balance is very healthy and to be so one dimensional, it just isn't sustainable. And that's probably one of the biggest takeaways from, from 2022. One of the, one of the real keys to your motivation, I think that I've been able to see in something that you've had at sort of the forefront of all of the riding that you've done is the mental health component. And you've been really open about having, that become a huge part of your life because of your own struggles. And that ultimately led to your career as an ultra cyclist. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. It's been like, it's definitely, that's yeah, like the reason I quit my job and, you know, made this silly decision, well, silly at the time to, you know, try and become a professional cyclist without actually racing. And it was that, you know, that was all, that was a stimulus to sort of making it all happen. So yeah, I think, what you're saying is like when I noticed my own mental health was suffering last year as a result of what I was actually doing, I thought, no, this is really isn't that healthy. That's that's what I wondered, right? I'm like, I know you're doing this for other people and you're inspiring a lot of other people. And as you've said many times, like if you can help one person or a group of people, that makes a lot of things worth it. But you know, I was I was definitely concerned for your own space yeah. because you have to give so much up in your life that that you can sort of drawn as little as little mental breaks right time with family yeah. time with friends just even going for a couple of beers for a few hours with yeah. a few mates like that's yeah, a great exactly. reset and you had to you had to give up it seemed like almost all of that yeah and it's so good sitting here knowing that i'm not having to go for us tomorrow or three thousand meters of earth like it's so good that this is all in hindsight <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Is there, is, are you still in an afterglow of having done that? Like it's, I mean, it's just an insane number. You know, what's weird. Like I was chatting to someone about it before. I forget if it was earlier this week or it was quite recently when I actually finished it, I was back home in Australia and I finished that afternoon. I came down with a stomach bug and I literally spent the next three or four days pretty unwell in bed, unable to eat. Well, you know, not feeling like eating. And I was like, I didn't really get to enjoy it straight away. And I think the novelty had almost worn off because I was just stoked to be better. Like I wasn't sick anymore. And so to begin with, it was almost like a bit of a fizz of like I've achieved this, but then I got sick straight away and I didn't really get to enjoy going out and having a celebratory dinner or doing anything like that. I, I spent New Year's Eve at home on the couch while my family went out for dinner and I just finished this massive thing and I'm like, sweet, I'm at home alone. So that was a bit of a fizzog. But you know what? This year I'm really missing the structure. Are you? Well, like I'm not missing the climbing or like, you know, the physical aspect of having to go <laughs> and smash myself. Yeah. But like every day last year I had a goal and I knew exactly what I had to go and do. And it was very regimented and very structured. And I've really struggled this year and I know we're, you know we're five months into the year, but I've struggled so far in dealing 
with, with not having that structure, like I feel like some days I haven't achieved much because I don't have a real set plan. And that's right. just adjusting after a year of doing it, I think. But it's an interesting takeaway. I think the power of having structure in your life and the, the significance of the structure in your life and actually feeling good about yourself, like, you know, achieving little goals along the way. And there's little things now, like, like I've always made my bed in the morning because that's like the first goal of the day that I'm achieving and I feel good about it. And I noticed that I'm trying to incorporate more of these little things into the day so that I feel like I'm actually doing something and I'm, you know, achieving things and feeling good. And I think like there's a lot to be said for that in terms of what other people experience. Like perhaps it's that structure that you're lacking that is potentially why you're not feeling great about yourself. It's definitely what I've found, you know, coming off a year of real structure. Right. Where you could, instead of thinking about how in the world am I going to do a million meters, you could look at your day and know that it's Tuesday and know that today is 2000 or whatever yeah. Tuesday was. Right. And then it's like, yeah, I, I can just be successful today yeah, right? and just get my 2000 done and know that the broader plan is a result of all of these accumulative wins. Right. So it's a yeah. whole bunch of tiny wins and I think that we can take that to our work lives and to our personal lives, like that particular lesson, right? Even if you don't sure. achieve a big goal in a day or in a week or in a month, it's um, it's like the old expression, like how to eat an elephant, right? One bite at a time. Yeah. And just, I mean, you must have told yourself that or some yeah. version of that adage like a hundred times. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is like achieving those small goals, like the 2000 meters or the 1500 meters, like for me, like all of those little goals, it almost felt better achieving them than finishing it. Like finishing really? it, like I said, was like a bit of an anti-climax, like, all right, it's over. And I think like we all suffer from that when we finish a goal, it's like, ah, you know, those post events but it's like- I wanted to ask you about that yeah. exact thing because it's super real. Like it's, it's a psych, I think every sports psychologist knows that that's a real thing that happens to us and but yours was on such a big scale. Like I wondered how, did you start to talk to the, the team, your team about like, I know this is coming. How am I going to deal with that stuff? Even right after you finished that you had a post saying that you'd gained like seven kilos or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember exactly what the number was, but it was a big number and you still looked, I mean, you still looked lean and fit, but as cyclists, you know, we gain a little bit of weight yeah. and we kind of get down on ourselves. And I, like, I wondered how much you, were aware that that was coming and what you did in advance to prepare for that? So it's a really good question. And I think one thing I've learned over the last couple of years is like I've sort of developed a few coping mechanisms for it. Um, probably the most powerful one for me this year was obviously like it was a year of sacrifice. So there was a lot of things I couldn't do. Like I, I, well, I, I could have done them, but, you know, who knows what would have happened. Like I couldn't go and have a, late night, I couldn't go and, you know, take three days off. I couldn't go and, you know, do the things that I wanted to do. So I've, I've called it the list of lust. And what I did is I listed or I wrote down on paper in a diary all the things I was missing during the year. And I didn't start right at the beginning. I realised, you know, partway through, like, there's things I'm missing, I'm going to write them down. And it was things like going to the cinema, like going to a late movie, um, you know, 
going for a day trip somewhere and you know spending an overnight or somewhere different all these little things i wrote them down because i knew that when the year was up i was suddenly going to be a guy without any purpose and anything you know i didn't have any plans i was going to take four or five weeks off the bike and i had to fill those weeks and i then went through all of those things and i made sure that i did them and it was a real reminder of what i'd actually missed and the enjoyment that i that I get from doing each of those things. And that was really helpful. So like little things like going to the cinema, like I don't go to the cinema very often at all in normal life. But, you know, there was a time during last year where I craved going to the cinema. And so when I finished, I made an effort to go to the cinema and enjoy it as a bit of a reward. And I found that that was a really powerful, really effective way of keeping my mind in a good place when I finished, because it was a bit of a reward scheme but also keeping me busy because I think as soon as you become complacent and you're at home, you don't have anything to do. That's often when you get the demons upstairs that are, you know, make you question, you know, they just make you question things, those post-event blues. And I think by keeping busy, you can starve them away. So because this is the Everesting podcast, you could have structured this million meters in a whole bunch of different ways. And you, ne you wouldn't have had to do one Everesting if you didn't want to. So why, why did you decide to build in an Everest thing every single week? So it all started 2021. I was trying to work out what I was going to do in 2022. I had an idea that I wanted to Everest in each of the municipalities of Portugal. So 26 municipalities. And long story short, that project fell through. So I'd had this concept of doing a series of Everest things. And I thought, hmm. I still want to do this Everesting thing. Like I like the idea of doing multiple Everests, but I thought if I do an Everest a week for an entire year, like I'm going to have six days a week where I'm not doing anything. And then it's sort of, you know, some bad maths and some bad rounding. And I thought, oh yeah, a million meters, 52 Everest, like that's achievable. And that's how it all came about. Like there's nothing really scientific there's nothing, there's no real crazy plan that went into it. It was like one day I was thinking about it, came up with a concept, called my dad. I like to run these ideas past him. I said, look, what do you think of this as an idea? He said, I think you're fucking mad. Like a whole year is a long time to commit. And I thought, yeah, but you know, this is my idea. Let's do it. And that's sort of how it all came about. It's, it's crazy. And you did... Again, I, I, I just need people to understand how hard it is to do them all outdoors and all on different hills. Like that's, you really did it in essentially the highest degree of difficulty that you could have chosen. You could have absolutely made it easier on you to have a couple of go-to hills that you knew were, again, there's no such thing as easy, but if you had a hill that you knew was gonna save you three hours every yeah. Everest thing, like that's huge every week, right? But you didn't do that at all. Yeah. So I never really publicized the fact that I was trying to do them all on a different climb, but that was like a mini goal within a goal. So I thought, yeah, I want to do them all on a different climb. And at the beginning, that was fine because, you know, it feels like your options are limitless. You've, you know, you think, oh, there's 10 Everest. Yeah, there'll be more than that. As I got through the year, it became really difficult to actually find a climb to do it on. And it got to the point where it was literally the day before on Everest, I would sit on um, Kamut 
and I'd say, look, where am I going to Everest? Like, let's start zooming in on some maps. And I was just picking them the day before. There was, like, it, it became, like, I, I want to say loose. It wasn't loose, but it was like, I got to the point where I just didn't really care where I was doing them. I just had to find a climb. And it was obviously like a bit of a structure and what I needed, but yeah, it was generally like a climb that was 10% plus average gradient. That's what I was going to ask is, did you have yeah. a, did you have a sweet spot? Okay. 10% plus and from memory around, um, two and a half, uh, 250 meters ascent minimum per climb. So I worked, I worked out that with the repetitions you had to do, that was quite a manageable number. So it worked out at around 40 repetitions. So a quarter was basically 10 repetitions and that's quite manageable mentally. If it became any less than that, like I did one in London where it required, oh, I forget the number of repeats, like 150 repeats or something, like it was silly. It was just like too many numbers to consider. <laughs> mentally difficult yeah, right? or even yeah, to keep track cool. of it and make sure that you have it sort of right and yeah and, and at a 10 at 10 plus percent your average distance was probably just a little over 200 kilometers per everesting then right something like that even less actually i think they were around 150 to 170 no it must have been around 170 okay which is yeah. again that's a that's a long bike ride but it is relatively yeah. short for everestings yeah yeah Incredible. So now they, the, now the charity side of things, uh, that's the kind of last thing I wanted to ask you about. H how much did you dip into that? Well, of I'm, I'm helping people. I know that I'm helping people. It's going to help me keep going. Um, messages from other people. Like how much did that mean to you as, as it's sort of. Yeah, yeah, it nice it's like, it's really nice when you get a message from somebody that says, oh, I've come across your profile and, or, you know, I've been following you for a little while and like what you're doing is amazing. Like, even though I don't know, I've not met the person, like it's, it's pretty powerful getting a little message like that. From a total and, stranger. Yeah. Like it feels like you're actually making a difference when, when you get that sort of thing. Um, so to anyone that messaged me throughout the year, like, thank you. Um, you know, it all, it's all, you know, acts as motivation helps absolutely amazing uh, speechless <laughs> can't, i can't believe what you did and not to take away anything from what you're doing this year you just set a fastest known time from was it osaka to tokyo yeah so we've just been that up looks in Japan. stunning yeah uh, thanks amazing that looks so cool like just what a what a neat neat part of the world that you did that in yeah japan i mean that's a place if there's people living in japan keen on everest that must be some amazing climbs to to get stuck into on some amazing remote hillside somewhere. I, I envy you. Very cool. Okay. We can wrap up with uh, just a reminder for everybody on the film. It's called Rising Up and it is May 29th. It's going to be released on Jack Ultra Cyclist YouTube channel, right? Exactly. Okay, everybody needs to give that a look. And are people still able to donate? So the donations are closed. We've actually donated all of the, the cash now. Awesome. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, thank you to everyone that uh, got behind the, the fundraising side of it. It's 
But yeah, if somebody if somebody watches the film and and they're just they're moved that like find a mental health charity to donate to, right? Yeah, <laughs> Do it in exactly. your name. It's not yeah. Don't don't let it hold you back from donating more. Um, Jack, you are inspiring people all over the world, including myself, a bunch of people in my corner of the world. Anybody that I know that rides bikes, I point directly to your Instagram profile. I'm like, you guys need to follow this guy. He's nuts. So yeah, thanks for carving out a little bit of time. Congratulations. And I had to get something done with you for, for the, for the fans that were like, get Jack on. We need to hear about how this wrapped up. Thanks for having me on again. Thanks for doing it, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. I hope we can catch up again soon. Thanks, Pete. See you, mate. Be well. Appreciate it. One last thank you to Jack. Really appreciate you making the time. Not the first time you've been on the podcast and I hope it won't be the last either. And thank you again for everything you're doing, Jack, for both the uh, Everesting community, cycling communities and the mental health communities. Um, it is greatly appreciated and you're a massive inspiration. Thank you everybody for tuning into the show. We appreciate you carving out a little bit of time to spend with us about the epic Everesting Challenge. If you have any questions or comments or would like to reach out about anything, you can hit us up at podcast at everesting.com and that will come right to myself and I'll share it with Andy uh, and we can hopefully uh, get whatever information you have or questions out onto the show. If you can give us a positive rating or review, take a moment just to write a short review on whatever podcast platform you're finding us, whether that's Google, Apple, Spotify, doesn't matter. That helps us grow and find new audience members and, of course, by word of mouth. So if we're doing something on the podcast that you think your friends might appreciate, please let them know about it. Thanks again for tuning in.